Children, he loves us more than we can know. There is uh, uh, just such a presence in the room this morning. And for those of you who are unaware, this has been our week of prayer and fasting. So we've been here every night this week for an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, sometimes more. And then nobody wanted to leave and go home. And so it's just been this building, building, building. And so if you're wondering why the roof is being blown off the place this morning, that's why. It's because we've been here all week, bringing the presence of God in here all week. And he's here in a very strong, tangible way this morning. And I have a message, and we'll see where this goes. Uh, But I really do feel that the Lord is uh, speaking something else this morning. What an amazing time we've had this week. Uh, I can't tell you how encouraged I am. I can't begin to express how encouraged I am with this body. Uh, starting out night one, we had 60 people here. Which, I, how do you get... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you get... Is anybody else in the room excited? Come on. How do you get 60 people to come out to pray and pray for repentance nonetheless? I mean, I'll get, I'll get 60 people to come out and pray. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit. But we're going to pray for repentance. We're going to pray that, you know, we need forgiveness and 60 people show up. Amen. Now last, I'm just, I'm just going to go on record. Last year, I, I had gone on record at saying that we had taken praying for unity off the card because we were in a place of unity when only 42 people had showed up on the biggest night last year. And so on night number one, we have 60, which is half again as many. And it only got better and grew from there. What is this? What I, I just, I'm so encouraged. And then, I mean, every night. But then on what I think, I got like my notes here. Whew. On Wednesday, we pray for faith. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, the faith in this room is just incredible. The faith in every single one of you is incredible. We prayed on Wednesday that God would increase our faith. There's prayer targets. I don't know if we still have them. We might have gotten rid of any extras because the fast is over. But Wednesday, we prayed that God would increase our faith. And people came up and prayed. And I want to tell you the amount of faith in people and the amount of faith that God is releasing in this body is incredible. It's incredible. And faith is the way that we acquire what's already been purchased for us in heaven. One of the things that we understand, if we understand correctly, is that everything was purchased at the cross. Jesus paid for everything at the cross 2,000 years ago. It was paid for. The only problem we have is apprehending what is already in our account in heaven and bringing it down to earth. And we do that through faith. And I'm telling you what, the faith level in here is increasing to such a point where it's just going to be poured out in mass. There have been reports. I, I, I... there have been reports, and it's going to happen here, of people who aren't in the church, that live nearby the church, calling the fire department because they see fire coming from the church. It's going to happen. So I'm just going to let the ushers know, wherever you're at, that when the fire department shows up and says, we got a report that the church is on fire, you can tell them, well, it is. It's just spiritual fire. Someone's seeing into the spiritual realm that this church is literally on fire. Oh, 
my goodness. What do you do after uh, an amazing week like this? It's this, uh, what? I want to read uh, from Matthew chapter 4. And this isn't on the PowerPoint, so just turn there in your Bibles with me. If you haven't brought your Bible, you, you can pull up your digital copy, or if you want, you just take out some notes and start writing some stuff down. Um, Thick. Verse 4. Verse 4, after Jesus was baptized, it says, uh, verse, chapter, chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led up into the Spirit by, led up into the, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. I can't even read. Led up into the, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the, up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is, for it is written. So now Satan's using scripture against him. He shall, give charge over your, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in your hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Pay attention here, third time. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you, sh it is written, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, someone say left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus was led into the, into the, into the wilderness. I am so, so much trouble with that word. Into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil, specifically. And so he fasted. And then God gave him the power as a man to defeat the enemy. And so, you know, I've heard from the time that I was saved, hey, anytime you come to the next level, there's a new devil. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. It may be. But I'll tell you what I do know, is that it doesn't matter the level of the devil that I encounter. God is greater. There's never been a battle that he's lost. And there's never been a moment of time where darkness has had any power over light, not once. I tell this scripture over and over, I, I, I give this analogy over and over and over and over again, and I'm never gonna stop because it's a really good analogy. We are light. Say, say I am light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And so the, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. And so the same way that Jesus was in the world and he was light, you are in the world and you are light. And you are here to dispel darkness. That's your job. Chase it away. Make it go. When you say go, it has to go. You have to know it. You have to believe it. 
Over here we have a closet. Lauren, if you could stand up and show everybody the closet. Don't open it yet. Don't open it yet. That's the closet. There is, I'm going to tell everybody, I've been in this church for 30 years. I, I know what's in that closet. There are tables in that closet. That's our fellowship tables. They're in that closet. I'm also going to tell you that there is not a light in that closet. So if you were to go into that closet and shut the door behind you, there's not enough room for that. But if, that could, if you could do that, there's no light in there. It's utter, complete, and total darkness. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have Lauren open up that door, and the darkness that's in that closet is going to come out, and it's going to... <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's find out. Here comes the darkness. And the darkness did absolutely nothing to, the, to this room. Did anyone in this room experience a new level of darkness because the closet was opened? No. What happened? The darkness that was in the closet disappeared, and now you can actually see the tables. Thank you, Lauren. It's the same way, guys. We are light, and we dispel darkness. So if, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but let's just, I'm just saying if there's a temptation this week, there's a negative thought this week, if the enemy shows up and thinks that he's going to get away with something because you've been told that in the past, tell him to go. Take your authority as a believer and say, go in the name of Jesus. You have the power, you have the authority, and we need to start speaking as children of God that know that we have the power and we have the authority. <laughs> come on, come on. Different pastors have always told me about the challenges that they face on a Saturday night when they're going to be preaching the next morning. And I think I used to experience it. I remember times way, 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 way back when I first started preaching where, you know, I would have that turmoil leading into preaching. And I've, I don't find I get that anymore. Um, Saturday nights are a night where we get to have some fun. You know, we just relax. And um, I usually write my message on Monday. So I'll write today's message tomorrow. I'm kidding. Someone laugh. <laughs> Boy, you guys. Love you. I want to look at the scripture here again. It says in the in the in verse 8, the last, the third temptation, it says, the devil took Jesus onto an exceedingly high mountain, and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Tell me where there's a mountain where you can get up on top of and see all of the kingdoms of the world all at once. There isn't one. It doesn't exist. You could go up to Mount Everest. You can't do it. You could go on Mount Sinai. You can go on any mountain you want to, and you can't go up on any physical mountain and see all of the kingdoms of the world, nonetheless their glory. And so Satan took Jesus to a spiritual mountain here. Mountains are known, high places are known as places of authority. And so he took him up onto this spiritual high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan tried to defeat Jesus there with the temptation of, of all of the kingdoms. Mm. 
I will give it to you if you fall down and worship me. But Jesus knew better, and he defeated the enemy with the word. And so one of the things that we have to do is we have to know the word. Can I tell you how encouraged I am by the number of people that stood up here and prayed throughout the week that just quoted scripture right out of their mind? They didn't even have their Bibles open. They're just quoting scripture. Come on. Come on. This church is poised and destined for great things because the word of God is in you. The word of God is in you. The word of God is in you. I'm telling you, it's in you. And this is what we use to defeat the enemy. This is how we fight our battles, right here. The weapons of our warfare are not made of flesh and blood, but they are mighty in the spirit to the pulling down of strongholds. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Satan beat, Jesus beats Satan. And then it says in verse 11, the, 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 the devil left him. The devil had to depart from that place. The devil took Jesus onto this exceedingly high mountain. It's a, it's a spiritual mountain of, of the earth, of the spiritual realm, ruling over the earth, the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And then Satan left that place and Jesus remained there and angels came and ministered to him there. I believe this is where Jesus took all of the authority that he needed to go out and perform his earthly ministry. Yeah. Right? From this point forward, what did Jesus say? How can you cast one out unless you first bind the strong man? This was the binding of the strong man. This is where Jesus won the first victory. Amen. He still had to go to the cross, but something significant transpired here through a period of time where Jesus fasted. Come on, something significant has happened here at Redeeming Love through this week where we have fasted. From that time forward, verse 17, from that time forward, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is right here. It's right within your reach. It's right before your very eyes. You can have the kingdom of God. There's water at my hand. How does it taste? I don't know. Is it wet? I would think so, but I haven't tasted it yet. It, it being at hand doesn't do me any good until I start to partake. The kingdom of God has been preached, and many are pressing into it. Many are entering into it. Jesus said, when, when, uh, when he was questioned, who questioned him? Chai not Caiaphas, Pilate. When Pilate questioned him, thank you, he said, my kingdom is not from here. If my kingdom were from here, my servants would fight for me. But now my kingdom is not from here. I am a king, he said. Jesus is the king. And he rules over the kingdom that is over every kingdom. But it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a natural kingdom. In the book of Acts, it says that Jesus came back and it says he taught his disciples for 40 days pertaining to the kingdom. It says he taught his disciples for 40 days pertaining to the kingdom of God. It's Acts, so Luke wrote it. So it'd be kingdom of God, not kingdom of heaven like Matthew wrote. Same kingdom. 
40 days pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then afterwards, the disciples ask him and say, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? No, 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 no. You missed it all together. Jesus is gracious. He says, nonetheless, power is going to come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's coming. You're going to have power in that day. It's a spiritual kingdom, and it's all around us, and we can enter into it, and we get to live from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. Many are pressing into it. Many are entering into it. The kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And we've seen some power displayed here throughout the week. We're seeing some power displayed here even this morning. The kingdom of God is within you. This is the temple. This is the house of miracles. This is where the kingdom comes from. It's on the inside of you. And what we need to do is we need to learn to fill ourselves up with the kingdom, and then we need to learn to release the kingdom on others. This is our call. This is our mandate, that that we would be those that would bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Your, Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bring heaven to earth. This is what God has purposed us to do. I know we're, we're in the middle of our Engage series. We're supposed to be doing Engage culture today. But really, this is the overwhelming vision of the church. We're, we're here to engage God, engage church, and engage culture. For what reason? To bring heaven to earth. That God might influence the world around us and that we might be his witnesses. This is what we're here to do. This is what we're here to do. Engage God, engage church, engage culture. That's how we do it. The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so righteousness, peace, and joy are ours when we determine that we are going to live from the kingdom. They're ours. They're ours for the taking. They're ours. Matthew 28. Jesus said, you guys should know this one. Jesus spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus said, some authority? No, all authority. What's he have authority over? Everything. All. All means everything. He has authority over it all. And so there's, I know, it's pretty simple. But sometimes we have to state the simple so that we know. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Are you kidding me? Here, and there. You you can come to a place of megalomania. Like, you can come to the place where you really begin to think more highly of yourself than you should if you just keep reading the scriptures. (laughs) Except that this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to know the authority that we walk in. Because when that enemy comes, we just speak to him and he has to go. He's got to go. He's got to run. He's got to, he's just got to, he's got to flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Problem is, some of us don't resist. Some of us are like, oh, here it comes again. Oh, here it comes again. I knew this was going to happen. What? Wait, what? What? what, what? No. I, okay, it's coming. But what you need to do is just train yourself and immediately you take that thought captive. You don't wait three days to take that thought captive. You take that thought captive the moment it comes in. It comes in, you put it back out. You say, that's not God. You get out of here, you stinking lying devil. The devil has one trick. And he's been doing the same thing for 2,000 years. And it's, it's to lie. 
And so he gets in our head and he starts to lie. And then what happens is when we believe the lie and we do things that go contrary to our faith, we actually open up a door. And that's a dangerous place. How was it? How was it that Satan was how, how was it that Satan was able to enter into Judas? Because Judas had opened a door. We read previously where the woman poured the where Mary poured the costly oil over Jesus' feet and wipes wipes his hair wipes his, her feet with his hair and 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 Judas said, "Why was this oil not? Why was this oil wasted? And why was this money?" Why was this oil not sold and the money given to the poor? And then the Bible tells us Judas said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he used to take from that which was put into the money bag. Judas was stealing from Jesus' ministry. Whoa. Judas was stealing from Jesus' ministry. I'm going to stand over here. I don't normally walk this far because funny things happen with my microphone, but I want to get as far away from that guy as I can. And so when that thought comes, just tell the devil he's a liar and he's got to go. And he does. He does. He does. Ephesians. We're just going to keep going. All authority. I don't think I'm done with this one yet. Hang on. <laughs> All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. Holy Spirit is with us. From now until the end of our days. Come on. Every, every waking moment that we have, Holy Spirit's here. Jesus is here. Every moment of every day. There has never been a moment where he hasn't been with you since you asked him into your heart. There may, be, there, there may be have been times where you didn't feel him, but that doesn't mean that he left. David says in Psalm 139, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I dwell in the uttermost part, darkest parts of the depths of the sea, behold, your spirit will be there and it'll guide me. Are you kidding me? This is who God is. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Jesus, while he's hanging on the cross, he cries out and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's actually quoting Psalm 22, which goes on. And if you read Psalm 22, it's an it's a actual literal depiction of what Jesus suffered on the cross. And so he's quoting Psalm 22. And had he not felt the spirit of God in that moment, had he actually, which we believe that he did, felt the separation between him and the Father, it wasn't that the Father left him. It's that when he took the weight of the sin of the world upon him, he could no longer sense the Father. The Father didn't go anywhere. He never left. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Ephesians. It just keeps getting better. All right. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God has blessed us with every 
spiritual blessing. You are blessed. Say, I am blessed. blessed. With every spiritual blessing. Chapter 2, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, it's because of his love, it's because of his grace, it's because of his mercy. Even when we were dead in trespass, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he raised us up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where's Jesus seated? In heaven. heaven. Even better than that, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're seated with him. You know, it's kind of funny. We have this thing here. When you have a prophetic word, you come and you tell me, and we'll get you up here to share it. And we usually limit that to three. Um, And so you got to come and you got to whisper it in my ear, right? And so... You gotta get. You gotta come up, and you gotta get close, so that I can hear you. Because the music's loud, you can't tell me from the other side of the platform or the other side of the room. That won't work. You gotta come, and you gotta get close. Where's Jesus seated? He's seated at the right hand. He's seated really close. The the scripture where Elijah goes up on the mountain, and then the the wind tears, and God's not in the wind, and there's a fire, and he's not in the fire, and and then there's a still. You got to get really close if you want to hear the still small voice. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Literally, he's in the next chair. <laughs> and so God can at any moment just, the Father can at any moment just be, that's oh, this is Father. <laughs> I don't know, that's my best Father impression. It's terrible. At any moment, it's terrible. I, I'm not lighting up, you know, I should be lighting up like lightning. There should be thunderings. This is the vision of heaven. This is the way it is. And so this is an ultimately poor representation. But here's God in heaven. And then he leans over to Jesus and he's like, hey, just go and like give redeeming love a little bit of the chicane of glory there this morning. Yeah, do that. Okay, that's, that's good. He whispers and we're seated right there with him. We're seated there. I'm telling you, come on, come on, come on. I know it seems ridiculous. This can't, you can't be telling me the truth. It's that it's in the word of God and it's true. And I'm telling you, when you begin to walk this thing out, it's true and it works. I can't tell you the last time that I went to preach on a Sunday or any other time and I felt resistance from the enemy the night before. I can't tell you. I, I, there, there isn't a file in my memory that remembers it. There's one and it was way, 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 way long ago before when we first moved into our house 
and I was building this extra room on the house. It's that long ago. That's like 20-some years ago. That's the last time I remember the enemy having any influence in my life when I went to preach. And yet I talk to other preachers who are like, every time I got to preach, there's a battle. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. And I'm not making light of what anybody else has to go through. All I'm saying is that if we knew who we were in Christ, we don't have to deal with any of that junk. We need to know who we are in Christ. We don't deal with the junk of the enemy. We speak to him. Why am I bringing this message this morning? Uh, I really just feel that it's by the Spirit, but I'm telling you there are so many of us in here that we struggle and we battle with thoughts that the enemy is putting into our thinking mind that he wants to deliver us from that way of thinking. We have to. Repentance means turning from your old ways and doing a new thing. And so we need to turn away from our old way of thinking and we need to embrace what God is doing. We need to put every experience that we've ever had behind us and we need to hold it up to the word and we, say, we need to say, does that experience line up with the word of God? Does the, does the fact that the devil torments people after fast or, or, or after, before they're gonna preach or, or whenever, does it line up with the word of God? No. Show me one instance where Jesus dealt with the devil in any way and he struggled in any way about it. Never, not once. They're in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm. Jesus is asleep on the boat and <laughs> it's all true. Middle of the night, <laughs> middle of the night, middle of the sea, middle of the storm. The, the disciples are like, we're dying, wake them up. We're dying. These are experienced fishermen. These guys lived on the water. I mean, if for me in a boat, that's a different story. I've been on a boat a few times in my life. These guys were on the boat every single day. And they're like, we're dead. We're dead. And Jesus stands up. He's like, hang on a second. What's, what's going on? Just then a wave hits him in the face. Peace, be still. Every wave stop. There's a great calm. And the disciples are like, who is this? <laughs> Let me tell you again. Who is this? <laughs> the disciples amaze me. I love them. Because uh, I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy. Glory to God. Uh, chapter 3, verse 8, to me, who am least than all the saints. This is Paul writing. Uh, Paul probably has more recorded miracles than anybody but Jesus. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. God has, this isn't up on the PowerPoint. It's, it's something else. It's amazing the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery 
which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus to the intent that the now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. God did this and he did it out in the open and he did it in public display and he did it so that everyone would know. The Bible says, I think it's in Philippians chapter 1, it says, don't be afraid when the enemy comes. Don't be afraid when they try to tear you down. Don't be afraid when this happens or that happens. Don't be afraid when the enemy gets his little schemes going. I'm going to turn there. It's only a couple pages over. Philippians 1, 20, I can't read my numbers, 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand in one spirit with one mind, that there's unity, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversary. Don't be in any way afraid of what the enemy is doing. When you see what he's doing, we can take steps we should we can do this we should we can do that we should we should never stand still when the enemy's doing something we should resist we should fight him we should speak to him but one thing that we can't do is we can't get afraid don't get afraid don't be afraid perfect love casts out all fear when we're not afraid we build our faith when we refuse to be afraid our faith is built not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof of their impending destruction. If you're reading New King James, it says perdition, which means impending destruction. So get this. Why does the enemy tend to leave me alone? Because when he comes, and I'm like, oh, it's you, and I'm not afraid, he's reminded that he's destroyed and that Jesus has beat him with a stick. And he's reminded, <laughs> he's reminded that he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And he's reminded that he has no power. And he's reminded that he has no authority. And he's reminded that he can literally do nothing to anyone. And so every time he comes to throw something on me and I'm not afraid, the enemy is literally like, oh, 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 right? And so you, how many of you want to feel that way? Nobody wants to feel that way. Enemy is no different. He doesn't want to know that he lost. Any Chargers fans in here last night? Let me remind you of the game last night. <laughs> how pleasant is that, Chargers fans? Ouch. The, <laughs> I don't know if we have any Chargers fans. Nobody's admitting to it. That's fine. The, the, the Jaguars were behind the whole game. They were down 27 to 0 at one point. And the enemy's like, I'm winning! 
I'm not saying that one team's the winner and one team's the loser. No, or one team's good and one team's evil. That's not what I'm saying. But this is the this is the picture of Christ. And the Jaguars come back. Or the yeah, the Jaguars come back. They were down 27 to nothing, and they come back. They come back and they kick a field goal with. No time after they kick the field goal, there's no time remaining on the clock, and they win 31 to 30. They had, they had trailed the entire game. The game's an hour long. They trailed for 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Actually, probably they trailed the entire 60 minutes. The ball went through the uprights after time has expired. But it counts because it was kicked before the time expired. How? What? You're trailing for 60 minutes and then you win? That's a terrible loss. How many Chargers fans? How did you? I'm just bringing it up for you guys so that I can remind you of it. And every time we resist the devil, we're retelling the story of Jesus beating the devil with a stick. Every time we retell the story, we're retelling, every time we, we refuse to be afraid, we retell the story that Jesus went into hell and he took the captives, captivity. He took captivity captive and he led them on high. He took them to his father. He took the, 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 the chains of hell, the keys of death, the keys of hell. He took them. The devil has no more power. He has no more power. Stop pretending like he has power. I want to pray. I want to pray. We, um, we prayed. We laid hands on countless people here throughout the fast. We've seen God move. Uh, I want to pray. If you were here, I'm going to call the prayer team up on the platform here with me. If I get somebody on the piano. Um, I know it's 1130. I know we have to take tithe at some point, but I really want to pray. So I want the prayer team to come and join me on the platform. Jerry, if, if I can, if I can have you sit, only because you weren't here for the fast, I really, I believe there's a special impartation from those that were with us in the fast. So just have a seat. I actually want you to be ministered to. Pastor Stacy, come on up. Who else is here that's on the prayer team? Linda, come up. Josh Thatcher, come on up. You were here. Not a rebuke. It's just I want you to I want you to be filled the way that we were all filled throughout the week. And so if you weren't here, first persons that I want to call, piano can start playing anytime you're ready. The first person that I want to call up is anybody that wasn't here. You weren't able to hear, you weren't able to make it here any night of the fast. I want you to come and I want you to be ministered to. I want hands laid on you. If you have any need, our prayer team is going to ask, is there anything that we can pray for you for? We want to pray. We want to see God move. We've seen um, some of the testimonies this week. We've seen anxiety broken in people's lives through the power of prayer. We've seen um, different mental situations broken this week through the power of prayer. And so if that's you, if that's you and you need something, you haven't been here any night of the fast and you want blessing, come down front right now. You have any desire in your heart to be prayed for for anything, come down. And we want, there is, a, there is an anointing of the Holy Spirit that is here, that is resident from us having fasted and prayed for seven days. And you, although you didn't come one night, you have every right to enter into it with all of the rest of us. 
because God is not so short that he cannot save. His mercy is not short. There's, an, there's a story in Exodus, I'm sorry, there's a story, it's in Numbers 13, about the elders of Moses and how the elders of Moses were called to the temple, the, the, the tabernacle of meeting, it was just a tent at the time. And the, when the spirit of God fell, on the elders at the tabernacle, they began to prophesy. And what happened was there were three or four elders, I can't remember exactly, that couldn't make it, that didn't make it to the tabernacle. They stayed back in the village and they started to prophesy at the same time. And, and they said to Moses, aren't you going to stop them from prophesying? They're not at the tabernacle like you said they should be. And he says, no, God is doing this thing. Who am I that I should stop what God is doing? And so there's enough spirit here with God that he wants to fill every single one of you for any request that you have. Anybody here that, that you didn't make any one night and you wanna come and get blessed, you need something from God or you just want a blessing from the Lord, come down right now. Prayer team be released at any given moment. Go and pray, minister Holy Spirit. They're gonna ask you what you need prayer for. Don't be afraid to ask for something ridiculous. Don't be afraid to ask for something ridiculous because we have a ridiculous God. We have an amazing God, a God that is more, more, more than you could ever imagine, dare, dream, hope, think. Better than that, better than that, better than that. I had a word of knowledge this morning for a right knee. Is there anybody here who has a right knee that needs prayer? Right knee, yours is the left. I'll pray for that one. Who's got the right knee? There we go. You got a right knee? Right knee. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You gotta go? Okay. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus.